Welcome to Theology on Tap. My co-host, Derek Sessom over there across the table. What's up? Hey, hey. I'm your host, Christian Lunday, and we got a special guest here from uh, the school across the street. Hello. How are you doing? Please introduce yourself. All right. Well, uh, my name is Sydney. I am going into my third year at ASU. I am double majoring in forensic science and history, and my goal is, after college, to then go to med school and become a medical examiner. Nice. Yeah. Our beer of the week uh, because she's underage is root beer. It's called Dang That's Good Root Beer. It's made in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, we're, we're drinking got, the butterscotch variety. Yeah, it's actually really good. Yeah, surprise. Gluten free for all you health nuts out there. More sugar than you'd care for, though. Yeah. All right. Sydney. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you believe. Well, uh, because I'm 20, I'm kind of in the process of like figuring ex- ugh, figuring out where exactly I stand on a lot of beliefs. But uh, currently, you know, I believe that Jesus died and resurrected to save us from our sins and, oh. you know, the normal stuff. Standard run the of the mill Christian. Yeah, yeah. All right. We need more of you. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need less of the crusty Christians like me and Derek. Yeah. No offense, Derek. Am I crusty? No, I'm crusty. You're crusty? Yeah. Okay. Very. Um, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's like it's like an endearing crust, though. It's not like an endearing crust. Yeah, it's not like a PB and J. It's not like the, s- the sweaty like socks us, you yeah. left on your floor and then you left them on there for a few days. Right, like a sourdough crust. Yeah, the yeah. best kind. The best kind of crust. The you know what? Now I'm starting to feel proud of myself. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, man. So uh, <clears throat> obviously the election's coming up, and I can hear our listeners turning off the podcast. Um, <laughs> I think what the is- one of the main issues we wanted to talk about today is not having any good or moral choice to vote for. And uh, we want to talk about that because we think that's especially culturally relevant in today's time. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of Christians have that same feeling. Like there's, there's obviously a lot of regular Christians and cultural Christians that want to vote for Trump. And there's also a lot of liberal Christians that want to vote for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I think, on the higher end, there's most Christians that really don't know who to vote for because none of them meets their moral standards. Yeah. So let's dive into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think what we can cut out of the obvious is um, where politics plays into faith just in general. Because the where things kind of get twisted up in that sense where it's like, Oh, these certain stances or these bumper sticker um, ethics or anything else like that, where we default to, how does that really play into our walk with Jesus Christ? Right. So, I mean, we have to establish that first, I feel as far as like, okay, what, what is it that would actually be um, synonymous with our faith and like politically accurate? Right. Which I don't, wouldn't necessarily know how to even go about that. Yeah, politically accurate's the hard one. <laughs> right, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. like, even a lot of the stances, um, and, I mean, I wouldn't agree with one side or the other, sure, I think that's just normal, but um, you're justifying it or trying to find different um, loopholes or something like that to say it's like, oh, well, it's this side versus that side. Right. What do you think? Well, I'm kind of in this boat where this is my first presidential election, and, I'll, like, I want to be a good, responsible, like, do my civic duty. Look at you. Thank you. But I, yeah, like I don't want to vote for Trump and I don't want to vote for Biden, but I hear all these things like if you vote for vote for a different party, you're just throwing your vote away and yeah. 
but I feel obligated to vote. Like, this is the first year I get to vote for the president. Yeah, definitely feel that one. My first one was <laughs> 2016, and that one was a doozy. <laughs> been a doozy every day after. Oh, Here man. I was, just mowing, you yep. know, keeping myself, and everyone just started killing themselves all over my front lawn. It was a fun trip till it wasn't. So, and, like, I think that's the thing. But, um, I don't know. I, I think I have to lean towards... There's so many there's so many things to look out for extra candidates that are running but have zero like media weight or recognition at all. Um, I mean, honestly, and I might be stepping a little bit too far out, but if you just look within the personal ethics of all the candidates, I mean, Yeezy's not too far off. That's I, I know. I'm very <laughs> tempted to vote for Kanye. Oh God. I'm very tempted. <laughs> Which, if if, uh, if fact isn't stranger than fiction at this point, like <laughs> <laughs> I know not even Orwell predicted this one. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. I to agree with you. Like I was looking into Joe Jorgensen really hard because I'm like, I don't want to vote for Trump. He's 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 lost my vote. Just too yeah. many things there. And then I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden. He's just as bad, if not worse. Right. And so I looked into Joe Jorgensen, and it's like, well, I I like her libertarian policies. I I lean towards libertarianism quite a bit in my political epistemology, if you will. Um, but as far as the like very key moral problems, like abortion, yeah, she won't take a stand. She she holds the party position that is the government needs to just stay out of it, which to some degree I sympathize with. Because the government needs to stay out of a lot of things, but as a Christian, I'm like, this is one of the one of the perilous, most immoral things our country has done. This side of slavery, and it needs to end. Right, it's evil. Excuse me. Um, we'll edit that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. We got some laughs. The root beer's uh, getting to you. Yeah, yeah that's the bad thing about the root beer. <clears throat> that's my first on on podcast burp ever, and I drank so many beers, but. The root beer is the one that got me the non-alcoholic beverage. Go figure. Um, wow, I'm really throwing you off. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah. We can throw it back to you. Please <laughs> hurry up and grow a year older so we can have beer. I'm trying. <laughs> this election is making me want to. <laughs> yeah, I bet the stress by itself is aging terribly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember being 16 and watching the like Hillary versus Trump election and being like, oh, thank God I don't have to vote. Yeah. It'll be better by 2020. And that is not the case. <laughs> it was the most fun train wreck to watch. It, it really did. It I mean, it was hilarious. Yeah, it was so much fun. I I can't wait for this one to be honest. We voted for comedy. We got comedy, and now we got <laughs> comedy part two. <laughs> you can't be yeah. You can't be angry at the um, of the side effects or the consequences of choosing. You know the, the person that you did. I'm just gonna be flat out honest. <clears throat> I voted for Trump. Oh yeah, I did too. My first election, I voted for Trump. Um, I had some family members that called me crying. Obviously, they were female and felt that he was very disrespectful towards women and acted immoral towards women. Um, And I didn't disagree, which made it worse because it was like, wow, you even even agree with that and you still voted for him. And my mindset at the time, I was literally, uh, my thought process was, I, I feel like Hillary is morally much worse than Trump. Like, yeah, Trump has some, said some very degrading things about women, 
Uh, Megan Kelly comes to mind. Rosie O'Donnell comes to mind. Okay, um, a lot, a lot of women that he's disparaged comes to mind. But then I think about Hillary, and I think about her protecting Bill after everything that he did right. to women, and the whole Juanita Broderick scandal. And I'm like, I feel like that's worse. And on top of that, the Benghazi issue, which I was like, that to me, I mean, that was very immoral in my opinion so i felt like she was the more immoral choice so in my thinking i was like i'll choose the less immoral one because i was on the gary johnson train until i found out he's really not a libertarian at all right he's really just male hillary clinton um well i think like just to just to keep within the, the realm or framework of um of approaching it from faith first like Let's go, let's actually define our terms and like what would be an ideal Christian presidential candidate? Like what is it that you think we would, um, that would be sure win, like no no argument, like that is someone who is obviously taking a stand for Christ within our republic. I think if we can establish that, like if nothing else, you can clarify, okay, this is why we have to shoot wide on this one or we really have to really second guess on anything that's going on because it doesn't really seem from so many different angles um, the the viability of, of the people who are running to fit within that framework. Right. So, like, let's, let's look at there. Let's go there. Well, so. I think this is kind of the source of the confusion I feel is, right. like, I look at, like, my parents' conservative Christian friends and what they're saying, like, a good president would be, and there's a part of, like, and then there's a part of me that's like, well, I kind of think a good Christian president, like I think Jesus would be more liberal than this. But then there's also issues that he would not agree with the Democrat Party on. And yeah, like, uh, yeah. What's an issue from both sides that you think he would? Well, I think like first thing I think of that Jesus would be on the conservative side, abortion. Like clearly that is wrong. Pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to, like, taking care of the orphans and the widows, I think he would kind of lead more towards the liberal side. Because that's something he, like, is, like, really matters to him. And I just, I don't see the Republican Party or a lot of conservatives really doing much in that area. Yeah, their ideology is, uh, that's our responsibility as a community to take care of those people via charity, donations. Mm -hmm. It's not the government's job to steal other people's money theoretically and put it into their pocket. Right. Yeah. That's their concern with, and also the government having that kind of power and, and and almost incentivizing people to be because the welfare checks. Yeah. That part, like as far as a widow and welfare checks, I think is very hard hearted. um, And I don't typically like, because there's, there's, there's a lot of things when it comes to the welfare state that I think, think need to stay and then there's a lot that I think needs to go yeah and I understand those arguments but I think if we're thinking of like I think a lot of people also feel like the church isn't doing an adequate job of that and so the government has to step up because those people still deserve to be taken care of and if we're thinking of an ideal Christian president he would have the passion and want to take care of those things yeah I think that's where because both sides are going to take stances um I contrary to um, what is really passionate or powerful. So like if we're looking at abortion, obviously the sanctity of life um, is a given and it's inherent um, versus the ability to have free reign and bodily autonomy one way or another. Um, And like 
as those being um, like stump speeches, one could find themselves getting behind one or the other. They could see themselves being logically consistent, be like, yeah, I think this is moral. Um, they have to, I, I feel like to get to that place, you have to make some compromises or you have to um, really give ground um, just for my own sake with being um, obviously anti-abortion. Um, I do feel like there's a lot of ground that has to be given as far as um, recognizing the humanity of an unborn child. Um, but even going back to uh, the liberal side and just you know the stances of um, with charity and the welfare state and everything else like that, it's very being being on the conservative uh side more like like just more in general it is easy to just be like well the government is just trying to rein in more power and is just trying to do more and is trying to to take a bigger handful over people's ability to choose one way or another of life but what you said i think is also very valid which is like okay if you're taking from the standpoint of all right do we really have trust whether or not it we should do we really have trust in the the organizations and the non-government agencies and um, really the churches to stand up and do the things that they say that they're doing within the capacity of what the government could be doing? You could start pushing back and saying, okay, well, um, the government could just say do it and it could be done. That would come at great cost and a lot of liberty would be sacrificed because of that. But it's something to where the the feel good or the moral side of it, you would, you could come from it and be like, well, that's why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know when it comes to the welfare state, it's a very convoluted issue because like the Bible obviously talks about welfare, but it always talks about it in like a, like a very interpersonal or familiar circumstance that, right. that your neighbors around you need to take care of you. Um, and I know it was uh, like Judaic culture where once your parents got old, the kids would take care of them. They wouldn't rely on the state. Um, and so that's like whenever I think about something like welfare, I think about that. Like it's very biblical to take care of your own parents. They took care of you. They get old. They're getting older. They can't really provide for themselves. It's your responsibility as a family to help take care of them. Um, and then it, when you talk about like uh, the poor people, mm-hmm. um, it's a very difficult issue because the problem that I have with the government stepping in is it takes away from a good heart. Having a good heart that gives to people, because if the government's going to take money from me and give it to someone who's struggling, um, I don't have a chance to grow as a person by feeling compassion and, and giving. And when I'm giving, I'm being happy about it and being grateful. Right. Instead, I can just be like, "Well, I give to these people anyway because the government takes money from me and gives it to them." That's not a. That's not the correct, you know, place of heart to have you should be grateful and compassionate and, and giving and if you're not god tells you don't give see what's a happy heart i think that within the confines of government though would that actually be attainable in terms of taxes or um you know sacrificial giving to to the less fortunate i think yes but it, it, there's it, there's a degree to it because right now no yeah because we're we're financing so many things that we honestly can't afford and 
in one sense, we think we're being moral and good by giving these people you know, benefits, but really we're just kicking the can of our debt down the road to a future generation, and that's not very loving either, especially if it's debt that our generation accrues. Sure. Because we're the ones voting those people into office, and they're the ones kicking the cans down the road. So we have to, we have to own that. It's not very loving to our future neighbors. And honestly, <clears throat> too much incentive to stay home or to, uh, how should I put this? Single motherhood, it's incentivized by the government. Uh, single mothers get a lot of, a lot of uh, money from the government if they're single. So most women stay single. They'll see another guy, but they won't ever marry him. Because once you do, uh, you lose those incentives. And that's one of the biggest problems with the welfare state that Thomas, Dr. Thomas Sowell talks about. Yeah. It incentivizes yep. bad behavior. And we don't want to do that. But there is still an ability for the government on a grand scale to help more people um, that otherwise maybe couldn't be helped with a conglomeration of churches trying to work together in charities. The government just has such a much bigger scale of operating that we just can't touch right now. And so, yes, I do think that there is an ability for the church to help and the ability of the government to help as well on a much broader scale. But right now, too much. I don't think I think we're actually hurting people than than we are helping. Yeah, and I think like um, just as far as how that goes, um, like the optics of it has always been terrible because yep. even if you do look at char- charities or um, NGOs or anything else like that, um, like just percentage wise of how much they um, do provide for the care of the poor, the hungry, the sick. Um, you know, whatever it, it is a large percentage. It's like, so even the government incentives have a limitation and like a lot of a majority of the slack, if I remember correctly, you can check me if I'm wrong, um, is actually through charities or through non nonprofits. But, um, that notwithstanding, like if we're, if we're going back to, all right, a Christian presidential candidate would be this. So, the altruism through through um, um, compassionate giving that would probably look like increased taxes or something else or tax breaks if you're giving to additional charities or something like that. Some of that kind of exists, but more incentives or whatever that would be. What else outside of the financial do you feel like would fit that that like picture? So another example, I think, of where the ideal Christian president would be more left than right-leaning is when it comes to immigration. Because didn't God tell the nation of Israel, like, hey, you are immigrants, therefore you should be accepting two immigrants? You want to take this one? Uh, well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna rebut it because, yes, <clears throat> uh, he, does, he does say that the word immigrant was, isn't used, but that's what he was talking about, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. As far as when it's when it comes from the right leaning people, it's not that they hate immigrants. It's that uh, God established our borders as a nation, and so we have a right to enforce those borders. Now, the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the ruling for children in cages and separating families back in the Obama administration, and those things have basically been around for a long, long time. And those aren't we. I think we'd all agree those aren't good yeah we need to get rid of those Uh, so i do think there as far as the ideology when it uh when it comes to immigration i think there are a lot of people on the right that 
don't necessarily celebrate immigration like the left does, but the they also come off hard-hearted because they're the ones saying, no, we can't just let everyone in. And there's several, re- one, morally, we're, there are bad people that are going to come in and abuse the system. Two, it's not economically good because if we just have this influx of a massive amount of people taking jobs, we only have what, we only have 7 million plus surplus job positions before coronavirus. If we let in 10 million people, well, now we have 3 million more that are unemployed and then the government's going to have to subsidize them. Um, we can't just give everyone green cards and give them all citizenship, especially while we have people that are waiting in line doing it the legal way. So it's just a fight between the heart and the brains. And on both sides, they take it too far. But yeah, I agree with you 100%. You can't sit here and look me in the eye and say, hey, God made everyone in his image. And then you get really cold and hard-hearted when it comes to immigration. Because if our rights, which we claim are inalienable and a government can't give them, take them away from you and God gives them. Right. Then they're outside of our government. Those people have those rights too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, uh, it's very difficult to, I mean, you, I can't say you're wrong. You're actually really right. I just, it's a really, it's a difficult position. (laughs) It's a difficult (laughs) position between your heart and your brain. And it's hard to mesh things out. And there's always going to be some people that fall through the cracks. Yeah. Of these yeah. debates, yeah, I think it's always like it, it is. It's super difficult because, um, especially especially being American, our default is from a place of of okay, land of opportunity that one can, if given the op, if given the opportunity, can make something better themselves, can build, can grow, and all of that. So from in inside looking out. It's something to where it's like, yeah, why why can't we just outreach? Why can't we bring as many people in? Why can't we have all those things happen? But it's like with everything with everything that is in just around the world, all the chaos, everything else that's playing out, I mean, it's just not as feasible as we'd like it to be. And I think that's the issue, is because we would want it we I don't I don't think unless unless they're clearly racist or uh, a um, just somebody who is completely nationalistic or something else in between there, um, not many people I feel would be entirely against any form of immigration. And like our immigration system, um, whether, whether you give it enough credit or not, we're, we're still one of the most diverse nations on the planet, like period. Um, the, the amount of segregation that, prevails throughout the outside world um whether it be um china is a notorious one quite a bit of of southeast asia is notorious um south america or central america and just how they they disparage each other between their nation states um it's really it's really something to where you can come here and i mean hopefully you're not being actively discriminated against that's the ideal but it's something to where um it, it's it's just it's different because we are we used to call it the melting pot i think they're trying to call it the salad bowl now because we're trying to be as inclusive as possible yeah. <laughs> but it it is it's like we're not we're not a monolithic culture we're we're not a monolithic um, nation we have so many different elements from across the world that has come here to build these things up but i mean we always look out and we want to bring as many people in and there's nothing wrong with that 
Well, kind of going back to what you said about like immigration reform not being very feasible, isn't kind of the purpose of government is to find feasible ways to uphold our ideals? Well, bringing in as many people as we can isn't feasible. So like our, I, and I think I, I think I tangented off of, but like going back to even people in government from both sides, they might get up and they might um, say that they're super against immigration or something like that. But deep down, like I think if you push them hard enough, people are against illegal immigration. People are against just wide open borders. Like most of the time it's like, okay, immigration reform has to happen so that there can be a smoother way to transition into citizenship because even the arguments of, okay, they're not paying taxes, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. Um, the job market is a legitimate concern. I think that one is like the one that will never. As far as up. immigration is concerned? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that, that one's the, like a hard stop. But the economy to me, and I know uh, conservatives get so much crap for this all the time because all we care about is money. But the problem is, is if our economy fails, millions, hundreds of millions of people suffer. Whereas if we do some rinky-dink policy, you know, not that many people suffer compared to if the economy fails. Yeah. And that's why conservatives are, a lot of them are worried about that because having a functioning economy is very moral because of the amount of lives that it sustains. Um, and that's why we are concerned about it because having a huge influx of immigration can, can wreak havoc on you know, our economic system. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't let in immigrants. No, absolutely not. And it, like just going back to um, our, our economic system has to be able to withstand for it to continue to be the land of opportunity. Right. So, yeah. So, okay. I haven't taken an e like econ class since my sophomore year of high school and I didn't pay attention. Okay. So this fair. may come off as very dumb. But in my mind, I kind of think, okay, more people are coming in. They need houses. They need places to live. Therefore, we need people to build them. And then, like, and then we need more more farmers to feed them. And we need more people making clothes to clothe them. So I. That's why there has to be a systematic approach to yeah. immigration. You can't okay. just have open borders. Yeah, totally agree. Because okay. once you have a greater uh, demand for certain things, there has to be supply that meets that demand. And having an increased workforce will actually help meet that demand. But you also have to have companies that can afford to pay the increased right. uh, workers, which that it takes time. So having a systematic approach to immigration is the most helpful thing. Now, how the ins and outs of that, I don't know because I'm not an immigration expert or anything. But yes, I 100% agree. Okay. Um, as far as economics is concerned yes yeah, so once we have that influx of or systematic influx of immigration um the economy will eventually meet the demand it's just going to take time which is why we can't just let everyone in all at once yeah but right now we are at a job surplus well maybe not right now but before covid we were at a job surplus a lot of the jobs uh were trade school jobs because our our education system pushes college but it doesn't really push trade school so there are a bunch of trade school jobs that are open and a lot of immigration uh, people will work, you know, low-skilled jobs or uh, low-wage jobs because they're try just trying. They can't hardly speak English. They're just trying to make it by. Right. Um, some of them will actually work for construction companies underneath the table for cheaper labor for the construction company and a living for the immigration, uh, the immigrant. So um, it just takes a lot of time, and uh, there's there's a certain way we got to go about it. But yeah, as far as immigration is concerned, if you're talking about the left as in being concerned that we need immigrants and those people have the same rights as Americans wholeheartedly agree. Oh, I yeah. think Jesus would definitely sign oh, off yeah. on that. 
yeah. he'd be the first one. <clears throat> you just have to do it. You, you have to do it in a responsible way that is um, scaffolded in a way to where it's everything that our country is can keep up with the influx of people because it, it's still um, even going back to our traditions. So economically, we've explained why, but even traditionally and, and culturally, why it's important to to ease it in so that assimilation can really occur. Some people would say assimilation isn't a good thing. Some people would be like, okay, anything else like that. Basically, f- as far as assimilation for me, I don't mean that you're converting to become a true red-blooded American. That's fine. But I would say it's just something where it's like, okay, you understand and you acknowledge that there are... Um, as far as our constitution goes and as far as our way of life with the, um, life, liberty and pursuit of happiness, you know, the, you know, the American dream, it's something that we can all get on board on. Yeah. I just want to caveat that we're not talking about Jesus being president of the, uh, the Americas. Cause obviously no. when he comes back to earth, he's going to be uh, president in quotations of everything. Well, he's there gonna, will be no borders yeah. because everything's his. He's going to, yeah. But we're trying to discuss what a a biblical leader would do about certain issues as close as close to being Christ-like as possible. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to establish that there because I said Jesus would sign off on that. He doesn't need to. Everything's his and everyone's his. So, um, yeah, but as far as what you were just saying, um, what do you think, like, in terms of establishing the systematic uh, what uh, influx of immigrants and then, a, a, like, with the economic policies to boot, and you think Jesus would sign off on that, is there anything that we're missing as far as immigration is concerned that would need to be considered? Um, well, I, this is always an issue that confuses me because I'm from Tucson. Yep. And so, obviously, we have a lot of, there's a lot of issues there about the Mexican-American border and uh, I can't remember the name of the organization right now, but it's Spanish for no more deaths. Mm-hmm. And they essentially just go out into the desert on popular illegal immigration paths and just leave gallons of water. And they get in huge trouble with Border Patrol for this. And like a lot of the conservative Christians I know are like, like yeah, Team Border Patrol, like get them, like take away all that water. And then I'm here like, they still deserve, like, even though these people are committing a crime, they still deserve to live yep. and drink water. So I, like, And I'm pretty sure th- the country recognizes water as a human right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's one where it's like, and this is where being polarized or hyper-political is really dumb. Because both sides, if you take it to the most extreme degree, they're both right. And they can both take a, sta- like, draw a line in the sand and be like, well, no, this is, in the grander scheme of things, this is more right than how you're right. And it was like. Well, even if they're breaking the law, even if this does promote certain structures of criminality or um, even, you know, the larger sense of the cartels or anything else, you want to go down the super long rabbit hole of uh, the corruption of Mexico and everything else um, that that doesn't discount the individual humanity of these people trying to trying their hardest or trying to do something. And they have the right to um, basic necessities of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that's where it's like so many of the other issues like, oh yeah, it's so clearly this is right. And they're like, well, the other reason, the other people think that they're right too. They just think it's their right for a different reason. It might not be the the complete reason, but. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about the economy for a second, because there's a lot of people out there that say Jesus is a socialist. 
obviously, oh, I disagree. <laughs> but I mean, I get why they they're saying that because he brings up they bring up verses that you brought up, like taking care of the sick and the poor and the homeless. Right. Um, I, I think you should know that when I told Cameron that this is what we were talking about, he says. Oh, you should just go on and say, Jesus is a socialist and walk out and see what happens. <laughs> just drop the mic. Yeah. Uh, well, it's mic. my show and Derek's show, so we'd probably just say <laughs> rag and then talk about something else. The magic of editing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never existed. Oh, no. Yeah, I definitely don't think uh, Jesus is a socialist. Uh, you know the, the parable where uh, the master gives three you know servants, here's money for you, money for you, money for you. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going away. Uh, when I come back, you know, I will, we'll see what you guys have done with, with what I've given you. And, um, like that, that parable obviously has some connotation that's not about economics at all, but I think it shares, uh, the importance of investing <laughs> because your money does devalue if it just sits there doing nothing. And I feel like that's very capitalistic, uh, could be very capitalistic <laughs> teaching, um, Derek. You're <laughs> no, I just I I don't know <laughs> your face. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's just hilarious to me when Jesus talks about in collecting interest. I just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, there's another parable that he talks about where he 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 has one person come and he gives them a thousand uh, shekels, I think, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then he has another, that person worked for almost the entire day. Then he has a person who came in and worked like half the day and still got, also got paid the same amount. And then he had another person come in, only worked for a few hours and got paid the same exact amount. I'm like, in my mind, I'm everyone sees that. And I was like, that is unjust. But I'm like, it depends on what the work is, because if it's just like a normal company, if I, I get, you know, if I work all day and get paid a thousand shekels or whatnot, um, my, the labor that I'm producing isn't worth that much to the company. But if I'm a, you know, CEO or CFO and the two hours that I'm working produces more value for the company than, than the entry level workers. So to me, that's also, it could be a very capitalistic, uh, parable that he's talking about i know it probably has no underlying <laughs> economic <laughs> meaning but i feel like if if i'm reading that i feel like it, there's plenty there to use for an endorsement of m virtue capitalism not cronyism right on any of the other bowl but like capitalism in itself its most pure form which i believe is amoral and when people use that system they're the ones who corrupt it or, you know, are virtuous with it. But what do you think? Do you think Jesus is a socialist? What do you think? Uh, I am not an economist. The economy is kind of an issue where I'm like, I'll pay my taxes and move on. It's not something that really... <laughs> you mean your theft? <laughs> <laughs> but I get it all back because I'm so poor <laughs> as a college student. But I, I don't know. It must it's, be nice. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's what I get for making like a dollar an hour at my on-campus job. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, it's like, it's not an issue that matters to me. So it's not an issue I spend my time thinking about. Right. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But, I mean, I definitely see both sides of the argument. Oh, I almost knocked over the root beer. <laughs> <laughs> Scared me. Some of this we're just going to keep in there for authenticity's sake. Yeah, <laughs> is, don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Because I think when you go into... Uh, as you described, or, you know, amoral capitalism, I, I think that is 
obviously, like Jesus talks about um, the the rich and how they can be captivated in their pride and, and accumulating more wealth and, and how um, those people will never inherit the kingdom of God and all that. But it's talking about their greed. Yeah. It's their it's greed specifically. Exactly. It's addressing their heart, not right. their wealth. Absolutely. And that's where I think most people miss it. Like it's just as greedy for you to want the government to take a wealthy person's money and distribute it amongst you. Mm-hmm. It's just as greedy as them wanting money more than anything else. You not only is it also theft because those people probably they may be greedy, but they probably earned their money. Um, it's not only theft, but it's also greed and it's envy. Yeah. And so I think the heart issue is with poor people and rich people alike. It's not. Yeah. It's not mutually exclusive to one side. Well, and I think like it's. I don't know. I don't know what you would consider. I don't know what ism or or structure of economy it would be, but um, it is kind of in between because it is something to where um, you do get plenty of examples of um, characters um, and people in in the New Testament who were very wealthy. Um, in fact, several of them helped cash flow the early church. Yep. You know, Barnabas comes to mind. You know, he he did wonders. Um, so it's one of those things to where it's like he wasn't mandated to to do that. The 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 uh, financially wealthy ones among the Church of Acts were not required to do you know to give up their riches and to help support the other members. It's something that they had the option and the the opportunity to bless others with. Right. And how much more powerful it is to say, okay, you have the choice to come and offer your shirt to your brother right? versus, all right, you are forced to give your shirt to your brother. Right. And on, oh, go ahead. Well, here's kind of a crazy idea I just thought. I kind of wonder, are all economic systems amoral? Because if money is just amoral and it's what is moral is how you deal with it and your attitude about it, I kind of think they all, like, none of them have morals. Well, or the re- lack thereof. The reason I th- I think I disagree with that is because it de- it depends on the it depends on the presuppositions and your premises of of each economic system. Capitalism is based on the amoral principle that if I want something that you have, I have to give you something that you need or want to get what you have. Right. It's based on uh, mutual consensual transactions. Uh, socialism and communism not based on that. Well, I'd say communism is definitely immoral, but I'd say that's a political system wearing the disguise of an economic system. Okay. Um, I would say that I agree with that. The economic system that's dressed up in a political system would be socialism because that's kind of what it is to a more extreme authoritarian level. Yeah. And socialism, socialism, I believe, is based on the premise of theft. You have something that I want. I'm going to use the government to take what you have and disperse it against people that have less means than you. And it's that I think is based on moral relativism and also envy and greed, which we would both yeah. agree are immoral things. Right. Now, I know there are people out there that see, well, if this person has an excess of $10 billion, he doesn't need that. It shouldn't be his. That's immoral to have that much money, which is the AOC argument. And I'm like, okay, who are you to say that it's immoral for him to have that much money? If you were him, would you keep the money? Right now, you'd probably say, no, I'd give it. But if you're in their shoes, I don't think you would because you'd understand 
that your whole life has you built a product or a service that basically was very popular and propelled you through millions and billions of transactions voluntarily and consensually between you what you're offering and your customers that propelled you to that incredible wealth most of the time it's not people having 10 billion dollars worth of cash it's people who have started a company that becomes worth 10 billion dollars they collect a salary from it because they're owners but if that economy you know if the economy tanks and their stock price goes down they're no longer worth 10 billion dollars they've lost you know two three billion dollars of net worth so most of what they have is based off their net worth, not actual cash on hand. That being said, there are a lot of people like that with cash on hand, very similar to those amounts. But it's the, it's the moral relativism that lacks the objective justification for them saying that person having that much is immoral and it should be taken by the government and dispersed or redistributed to people who are suffering. That's based on theft and envy and greed, and that's why I think those are immoral systems, whereas capitalism is, okay, it it almost leverages your envy and greed to do something that is beneficial for both parties in a mutual, consensual way. I would even, um, bring, bringing it home with that, um, when the wealthy or the rich man um, came to Jesus and asked him what it took to follow him, um, Jesus told him that, okay, sell everything off, give everything away, and then fo- pick up your cross and follow me. None of that, um, none of that was coerced. Yep. None of that was forced. He had the option to go do that. Just as with everything else in our faith, you know, we have the availability to, to walk or to not. Not only that, he didn't do it. Yeah, he and didn't do it. it. The Bible still says Jesus loved him. Yeah. I think he's saved in my opinion. If you had to ask me, I, I'm not God, so I don't know, but right. he didn't, he didn't do it and Jesus still loved him. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, Jesus leans towards freedom. I say that as a Calvinist who struggles with the idea <laughs> of uh, you know, choice yeah. and will, but it's tension. Yes. It's tension. It's not contradiction. Right. But yeah, he, I think Jesus always errs on the side of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, so We've established that uh, I don't. I, I think we would agree that a as Christ-like as possible presidential candidate would be very comprehensive and his and his or her uh, uh, you know I, ideologies as far as immigration would be more open to immigration and be working really hard to figure out a way to get those people involved in our economy systematically to where everything is stable throughout the entire process. Yeah, I think we would agree that especially when it comes to capitalism, it would work to keep capitalism in its most pure form, not cronyism. We would all agree that's very evil and manipulative and it needs to be thrown out and disregarded and not socialism because we would agree that those are it's a, based on the premises of things that we know that God says are morally evil um, and that are part of our carnal man. But as we grow towards him, those things become you know eventually killed and we become new people. Um, and then, uh, what are some other issues that you think are, we're obviously right leaning people. So what do you think Jesus, what else do you think Jesus leans left on? I think the biggest one for me, and you guys know this is definitely women's rights. And when, especially when it comes to situations like sexual assault, I like 
that is something I'm very passionate about and is really close and dear to my heart. And I just do not see the conservative Christian community talking about it at all. Like the closest they get is sex trafficking, which is horrible. And we should talk about it. But like, like sexual harassment, rape, rape culture, none of that gets discussed. And I like, I feel a lot of frustration about that because I'm like, this is clearly evil. Why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't we more upset? So what do you think a, as Christ-like as possible, presidential candidate, him or her, would do to combat those issues? Yeah, that is something I've kind of been wrestling with. Okay. <laughs> like the concept of like justice and when these evil acts are committed, what is what happens next that is just? But I can tell you it's for sure not Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> probably fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's more than probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's Joe Biden either. No. Also probably fair. Yeah. He's too busy <laughs> sniffing people. Oh, my gosh. Disgusting. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I just... The only people I see speaking out of about this issue is left-leaning people like wanting more enforcement when it comes to sexual assault and like wanting to like I know a lot of people right now are upset about what the Trump administration is doing to Title Nine, and like I personally have not read Title Nine. I'm not an expert on that so I'm just getting like secondhand information mm -hmm. but it seems like the stuff they're doing is makes it harder for victims of sexual assault okay I'm not well versed on the all the Title Nine stuff I know there's the uh the transgender rights as far as playing sports. Yeah. Uh, on, you know, if they think, if they transition to male, they want to play on male sports teams or transition transition to female, and so they want to play on female sports teams. I know there is a Title IX issue there, which I think they got right, which is you don't let them play on either sports. You let them play on the gender they were actually born, born into. Um, I would agree. I think, um, I think Jesus would... Or a, or a very Christ-like president would be very concerned with that. I definitely know that sex, sex trafficking and human trafficking, uh, the, Trump, the Trump administration is hitting it very hard. They've put more money towards that than any other uh, administration. But I, I, think, I think you're right. I think that's, there are so many other issues besides that one that need to be addressed. Um, the only one that I would say that I would that I would disagree with and it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because really the act itself is very, it's an abomination and it's evil, but rape culture, uh, I just don't, I don't subscribe to that because I mean, I don't, I'm not a woman. So obviously I don't know, you know, what you go through on a day to day basis, but most of the men that I know, and I know a, a lot of people all over the country that if they saw a woman in distress or just a woman by themselves, most of them would leave her alone. Or if she was in distress, they would help her out and protect her. I don't think, I think the, the, the amount of men that prey on women is very minute, especially when you compare it to the very chivalrous men on campus. So it depends on how you define rape culture. I don't think there's a culture of men just wanting to go out there and just rape, rape women. I do think there is the natural instincts of man that wants to sleep with every girl. But I think, uh, I think most of them know that there's, there's a legal boundary and a moral boundary there. There's quite a bit of moral boundaries as far as being a Christian, but the biggest one is a legal boundary. And I, I feel like 90, 
99.99% of men don't cross that boundary. So I don't know what you how you would define rape culture. I I would agree with you that the majority of men aren't like, ooh, like, who can I rape today? Like, <laughs> I don't think that's realistic. But I think even the men who aren't physically attacking women, and of course this isn't for every man who isn't physically attacking women, but I think there are a fair amount who are still kind of perpetuating this culture of, like, women being objects and, like, sleeping with them oh, yes. is an accomplishment. Yes. Like, I remember being 13, walking home with my friend from eighth grade to her house to, like, hang out and play until my mom could pick me up. And I remember these guys who looked like they were in high school, like, driving past us, honking at us, yelling at us. And I remember not being surprised. Like, I was a literal child, and I was used to it. Yep. I don't think... So that, to me, is not rape culture. That's an entirely separate issue. As much as it pains me to say this buzzword, but that is toxic masculinity. Yeah, it would be. With with no you know ramps or rails that, that guard other people against their rampant sexual nature that they don't have any control over, that, to me, is not rape culture. That's, that's, that's toxic masculinity. That needs to be dealt with, and it's a hard issue. I, and I would totally 100% get on board with that. I agree with you there. I see that, but I think it's kind of like like a pyramid. Like honking at 13-year-old girls, what's the next step? Like finding them like sexy, like watching child porn, like what's the next step? And it kind of all leads to this thing. Like, you know what? I just thought of this. We just we have this Epstein Island thing. Maybe rape, rape culture is a thing. Maybe it's more yeah. raping young peop- young girls. Taking more into that, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe yeah. I changed my opinion on that. Yeah, I think because I, I think the issue is is that prescribing that throughout an entire culture starts to put it on uh, un- unduly uh, putting that on people that, just as Christian would say, would find that abhorrent and would. Uh, actively physically or otherwise take a stand against that type of behavior definitely physically if i saw Um, that going on that man i hope he kissed his family yeah goodbye before he did that because yeah he he would not see the next day yeah no i i I lean pretty heavily with ben shapiro on this one where it's like most of them should be castrated castrated yeah that's super not pc but it it, like it is though because it's it's um well that is a great segue into an another Christ-like biblical quality of a leader is their sense of justice. Okay. I was going to say castration? No. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know, agree with Ben Shapiro, yes. <laughs> kind of funny that you're saying that because I've seen tweets from like left-leaning Twitter accounts that are like, why are we testing cosmetic products on animals when we have jails full of rapists? Yeah. Mm. So, well, there's something that can unite us all. <laughs> I guess they can be thankful for the no unfair, unusual punishment. So, Yeah. Yeah, I. So you you would like to see, and you think Jesus would ascribe to this, but you would like to see a presidential candidate that has uh, a more protective sense of women and what they go through on a day to day basis. Yeah, well, and kind of going back to the question you asked earlier of like, what would that look like? And I'm still not really sure on a policy level because I don't know. Like, I haven't looked at the stats of what is the most effective way, but I think there should be like a culture shift. That's what I think needs to happen because on a on a policy level, you can't really do much without violating yeah, yeah. someone's freedom. Yeah. But pol- politics is downstream from culture, and there are really big political figures that can help shift culture and guide it to what it needs to be, especially a president. If we look at Obama, Obama had that 
that quality where oh, he, yeah. he knew the tides of culture was shifting. And so he, based on his morals and his ideas, helped guide the culture to what it, where it is now, which we would disagree with, but it's still an, it's still it's still an impressive yeah. quality he had. So I do think the president has that ability to help influence culture just as much as culture influences politics yeah. as a whole. Yeah, we need like the uh, most interesting man in the world, like who's just got that mystique and that masculinity, <laughs> and he's got to be like the with the dose equis. Yeah, his hand. but he's got to no, be like it's a dose beer, so oh. or a dose root beer. No he's got to be like the Thank most you. upstanding like gentleman ever. Yes. So men will just be like, yeah, he's a cool guy. I'm gonna follow suit. You know, because it is, it's a culture shift where it's like, okay, promoting uh, intentional and responsible manhood and actually standing in that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Christian, you're going to hate me for bringing up AOC in a positive way. <laughs> there are but, some positive things about her. But there's that whole issue. Passionate. Yeah. <laughs> there's that whole issue where oh, Senator Yoho, I think his name is, where he called her an effing B two press members on the steps of the Capitol. Mm. And she put, she released this speech where it's like, it is not okay for men to treat women like this. Yeah. And I remember that. Yeah. It was just like a month ago. Yeah. 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 It's pretty recent. Yeah. No. And I remember watching and she's like, my parents did not raise me to accept, to accept this kind of behavior for men, for men who accost women. And like, and even though he was like, Oh, I can't be sexist. I have a wife and, a, and daughters. She was like, <laughs> That does, like, just because you have women, I can't life. be racist. I have black friends. I know, that's exactly. just as preposterous. Exactly. <laughs> and I, like, I think if I lived in his district and agreed with everything else he said completely, I morally could not vote for him for how he treats women. Yeah, fair. And fair so enough. I think, I, yeah. elect, like, part of the cultural change that needs to happen is choosing leaders who don't perpetuate, like, oh, like, she disagrees with me. Middle fingers to her, like... I'm going to yell at her and call her rude things because I don't like women. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, I mean, to be fair though, to be fair, like you could apply that to pretty much every congressman or any type of political, political figure from pretty much any walk of life. Oh yeah. Like that's like a universal thing where it's like everybody just do better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like from personal experience, I know I've had to like tone down like my passion and my leadership abilities. So that way men would listen to me and take me seriously and not just, like, write me off. Mm. As like, oh, like, she's just arrogant. Actually, I, I think Jordan Peterson would disagree with you. He's, if you want to excel, be more disagreeable. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's how women excel because men are disagreeable. So when you're more disagreeable, you actually uh, propel yourself more, in the, at least in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. But I, I get what you're saying because some people think it's overbearing and, I mean – it's very hypocritical of them because I'm sure those people are actually very overbearing themselves. Yeah. It's, I mean, even psychologically speaking, and if, if you really, this, this will give a good kick uh, for you. Uh, Any, any time that you, you do that and you start getting more attention from a male, um, usually that means that that person either really struggles with inadequacy um, or just kind of carries himself in a sense of being weaker. Um, because typically, uh, when you start seeing somebody who feels like, I mean, especially with men, I wouldn't know because I'm not a woman, obviously, but just as far as how men operate, if there's any type of direct threat to our manhood, we usually try to do something about it. (laughs) That's true. 
Yeah. And especially and especially if it's coming from the opposite sex. Yeah. So it's like even more so. That's kind of the coping mechanism. Coping mechanism is you're gonna reject me for who I am as a person. Okay, I'm just gonna say that like. Well, it's not even coping. Like, like you could be like, oh yeah, that's probably science. Like this person is probably struggling with some inadequacy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, probably thinking he's you know a beta male or whatever. You could ruin his life if you point it out. <laughs> that is beta material yeah. like right there. Wrecked. <laughs> just completely Freud. Your relationship with your dad. So it doesn't <laughs> seem like it was good. Yeah, just go straight Freud and then he'll be just melted. You'll Did just, your dad ever hug you? You'll destroy him. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, don't, don't do that. That's 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 not disagreeable. That's being <laughs> that's being really mean. Yeah, it's very tempting now. You know what? Maybe I'll spend the next couple months until I turn 21 doing this, and then I can come back and report <laughs> on the results. There you go. You need to control, though, so how are we going to do that? I feel that? like creating a monster. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, do, don't do that. It's my fault, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, already, there's already enough men who struggle with that. It's just like wow. <laughs> I am young and impressionable, and you guys are call- oh, telling man. me to become so rude. <laughs> going to leave like a... <clears throat> also, vote Republican. No, yeah. <laughs> no right. I'm kidding. Uh, okay, so as far as justice is concerned, that's a big that's a big one. So one of the biggest reasons why I had a family member vote for Trump is because he was very concerned about the Supreme Court judges. He was like, if we, you know, we need right leaning, constitutionalist, originalist Supreme Court judges, and also someone who is willing to not is willing to enforce the law when it needs to be enforced. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think Jesus would agree with that? Do you think a, a very Christ-like president would lean towards more of that or less of that? Lean towards enforcing the laws? Enforcing the laws and how they, how they would view uh, the judicial branch of government. I think enforcing laws yes like not to bring it back to sexual assault but with the with the stanford swimmer case this guy brutally raped an unconscious woman at a party was caught red-handed and he spent less time in jail than the state of california spent in quarantine throughout this whole thing yeah what's his name brock Brock turner brock turner yeah Uh, yeah that's a sad fact yeah it really is and so i think a christ-like president would absolutely be like he spent less time in jail than the minimum for his crimes, which yeah. he was found guilty of. Like, there is no debate. This man did this. Because his family could afford really, really, really fantastic lawyers. Yeah. yeah. And his dad was like, oh, it was just a couple minutes of fun. He's a good swimmer. Yeah, I Don't saw that. It. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting. Yeah. He's yeah. a good swimmer, but we haven't. he hasn't been in the Olympics yet. I don't <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember Michael Phelps raping anyone. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't care. I wouldn't even care if he was Michael Phelps. Yeah, like we wouldn't yeah. want that person representing us anyway. Michael Phelps yeah. smoked weed and got crucified. <laughs> <laughs> this guy raped a girl and got three months, two months. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Unequal weights. Yeah. Definitely yeah. agree with you there. That's insane. Yeah. I can see how that would make your blood boil because it makes mine. Oh, yeah. I just want to keep talking about this, but <laughs> I'll move on to the other thoughts I have about justice. I think a more a Christ-like president would take a more justice support approach that is more reformative and less like you you less have punitive. marijuana go to jail because yeah. I like I took a, like I'm a forensics major so I have to take criminal justice classes and we I looked at a study where I think it was a it was a prison in a state that starts with an A that's not Arizona but what they did is like for Alaska the, no there's two more <laughs> but I, Arkansas I, I think so. That's where I was born. Well, there's one more than that. 
Anyway, so this program that they put into place was for, like, the year six months before you were released. You were going to, like, counseling for, like, finding a job, finding a house, how to cope with the outside world. And then after you got released for the next, like, six months to a year period or however long you needed, you continued to receive, like, counseling in whatever, wherever you needed it. So helping you find a job, helping you find a house. If you were there for drug possession, helping you stay clean. If you have issues with your family, family counseling. And they found that there was a huge decrease of people who re- who were rearrested and sent to jail again within the year period they were looking at it versus their control, which didn't receive that counseling. And I th- that's the kind of like prison reform I'm looking for because I think, A, it's like helping people individuals which i think is very like jesus minded like mm-hmm. let me help you and give you tools to live a better life and to get to know me versus you were bad you served your 3 years get out of here oh totally i mean it, it has a much more of a redemptive component to it yeah and you know in the long run less people in jail less ta- tax dollars just wondering if you're going to go there yeah yeah i actually agree um there's like two types of justice in the and the Judaism culture, I can't remember what the first one was, but that was like drop the hammer down. And there's the restorative justice side. And I, f- I definitely agree with you with with some substances where... So on a Dave Rubin podcast, there was a guy who robbed a bank, basically. And he got put in jail for like 15... The mandatory minimum was 15 years or so, which mandatory minimums, I think some of them need to go away. Uh, but anyways, he, when while he was in jail, he would see people going in and out, the same people, uh, because they were addicted to drugs. And there was no restorative process, no reformation for them. So whenever they'd go out, they would get clean while they're in jail. Uh, and then uh, there was no process for them, you know, once they were out of jail, to for any structure for them to get help. So they'd go back to drugs. And then they'd get put in jail for a longer period of time. Uh, obviously, it was them quitting cold turkey, so they'd go through withdrawal. Yeah. And instead of you know being helped and being made sober, they would find ways to get drugs into the prison and then continue their addiction, or they would just transition their addiction to something else. And this guy ended up becoming a lawyer while he was in prison because he was trying to help them out, and he saw this as a huge problem. And I 100% agree. You can't stick people in a in a in a jail cell and, and expect them to just become whole yeah. from their addictions. Yeah, especially if those crimes, especially if it's smoking weed, I don't think any of us would do it. And I think we would agree that you know not having a sober mind and not having self control is uh, missing the mark in terms of righteousness. But I think we would agree that someone going to jail for weed, getting more and a harsher sentence than Brock Turner or whatever his name is. Is that his name? Yep. Yeah. That's egregious. Like yeah. asinine, 10 and 11. I don't, I, there needs to be some reform there. And I, hundred, I 100% agree. Yep. Um, so with that being said, we don't have any candidates <laughs> that look like this. We never will either. <laughs> and that's, that's, so I have two more things I think I'd like to ask about, but one of them is, okay, so we don't have any candidates like that. What do, you, what do you think we should do? It's your first time voting. What do you think you should do? You Mickey know, I came Mouse. on this podcast. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. <laughs> you know, I came on this podcast to get answers for that, right? <laughs> no. We came to, we, we invited you to ask you these questions. Oh, no. 
we're we're passing the buck to you because we don't know the answer either. Oh well, anyone who disagrees with me, just keep in mind that I'm 20, therefore I'm young and dumb. So don't come for me. Yeah. Wow. So you're more in line with Kamala Harris and what she thinks about. <laughs> oh gosh. What I did she say? What do you think? What 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 do we know about people from that are 18 to 24? They're stupid. I'm like, well, I agree, but you probably shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> Note to anyone listening, that was a joke. I find it very frustrating when people don't take my opinion seriously because I'm 20. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want people to come for me. It's okay. We'll edit uh, that part out. Thank no, you. No, thank really. you. We're going to keep it in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know, like me personally, because sexual assault is an issue I care ab- about a great deal. I, I like, that's the issue that matters most to me. And so I'm kind of like, kind of ignoring all the others, which I don't think is very good but like at the end of the day i can like i morally cannot go to bed and sleep like be comfortable with myself and live with myself if i vote for someone who i believe abuses women in that way and is a rapist so that kind of takes out donald trump and joe biden for me Mm -hmm. but i want to vote so i'm gonna start researching third party candidates m-i-c-k-e-y m-o-u-s-e no to Kanye. <laughs> and I don't think Disney needs any more power. So Hey, yeah, write him in. You never know. No, I, I agree. I don't want Disney. You don't want to Disney. Disney. No. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You betrayed the shareholder. Oh, that makes me think of family. <laughs> I've had a Tucker and Dale versus Evil reference that I'm afraid I don't know if anyone will get, so I'll probably have to edit that out. I have to watch that again. And now a Family Guy reference. This is supposed to be a Christian show. Yeah, well. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so are you going to vote write in my brother. He runs for president all the time. That kind of makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Vermin Supreme? I have no idea who that he, is. He's the Free Ponies. What? He, yeah, he he. When if he uh, gets elected, he's going to give everyone a free pony. Wow. What would That's I do with the free case. pony? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sell it. <laughs> Pay off Ride your college it. debts. <laughs> oh, pony wouldn't cover that. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight hundred bucks for a pony. Maybe I don't know. Dude. I could, I could do a lot with eight hundred bucks. Really, that's oh, a yeah. lot of glue. Yeah, that, that he yeah. sniffs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know we can always go Joe Exotic for president. Yeah, we could. Except for he is also a creep. <laughs> Isn't he in prison too? Yeah, he's <laughs> in prison. <laughs> He'd have to get pardoned. Yeah. Well, I mean that could be the the, the double bind. You have Trump pardon him, and then he run, runs and wins. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Trump like, saying he was going to pardon him or something? He said he I was. He care. said he was going to pardon <laughs> someone, and it, and then it ended up being Susan B. Anthony, <laughs> which actually was brilliant because it made everyone who hates Trump actually discredit Susan B. Anthony and talk disparagingly against right. her. Like and what? You're against women's suffrage now? And during that time, he bought and that that time and the DNC convention, he bought like seven figures worth of YouTube ad space <sighs> that no one talks oh, about. I think that is so I brilliant. am so tired of the like, Joe Biden wants to raise taxes <laughs> ads. <laughs> Joe Biden wants to sniff your hair. Vote yes or no. <laughs> I don't, oh my gosh. Do you approve of President Trump? Take our survey. I might legitimately write in President Camacho. Really? I might do it. I, I... I would consider that. I was going to write in Jesus or vote for Kanye. Yeah. I wanted to like Joe Jorgensen. Yeah, she... I also know there's like a sense of pride that, you know, all my liberal friends are probably going to vote for Joe Biden and I can be like, I voted for a woman. 
What does that make you? <laughs> I, that's, Joe is kind of where I'm leaning right now because really? there's part of me that's a coward that's like, if she doesn't take a hard, like, pro-choice stance, then, like, Christians can't be mad at me for voting well, for her. She uh, doesn't. She takes the party stance. You can't yeah. be, yeah, you can't be mad at her for doing what a libertarian would do, which is like, hey, Tenth Amendment, figure it out yourself. I don't care. Yeah, it, it's both very appealing about her and off-putting because I'm sure. like, I feel so strongly about babies being murdered. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the stomach to like. At least Trump goes to a pro-life rally. He's the only yeah. president that's ever been to a pro-life rally. At least he goes. At least he says says what we all are thinking, even if he's kind of a puppet in that sense. <laughs> but Joe Jorgensen's like, I'm gonna leave it up to the Libertarian Party. Ideology about it, and that's the stance I'm going to take. I'm like, okay, I, I, I kind of respect that, though. Like, I get supporting it. your party versus just being like, these are all of my thoughts and opinions. I understand. Uh, it, like I said, it's both very appealing about her and off-putting to me because I, I have such a like. To me, it's an easy choice. It's, a, it's a you don't murder babies from the moment of conception on. Um. But then that leaves Kanye, and I don't think anyone wants Kanye for president. Yeet. Yeah. Ha. Huh? That's what he does. <laughs> That's probably what he would say after listening to all of his advisors. Ha. Huh? <laughs> you might be going to prison too. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I've got a piano key to touch. <laughs> Ding. All of America goes wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, you're, g- you're at this point, it's either. Suck it up and vote for whichever side you lean strongly to, even though it's extremely immoral and except being a hypocrite. <laughs> um, uh, which is basically what I did voting for Trump. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to admit it. I'm, an, I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. But uh, Or you write in someone and feel better about yourself and that you can sleep at night, unlike some of us. Or you uh, <laughs> See, vote I- for Kanye. I feel like I would feel less moral if I wrote someone in. Because that feels Why? like throwing my vote away. Uh, I mean, but then... If you vote for Joe Jorgensen, everyone's going to say you threw your vote away on the other side. Yeah. Anyway. But, I mean, both sides say it. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. that's so then that's that's the type of uh, that's the type of logic that got us here in the first place. Exactly. So. Which is the part of libertarianism that I'm like, I wish Justin Amash wouldn't have backed out. I, kn- I knew he backed out because they the Libertarian Party had Joe already yep. that they wanted to run. But I'm like, this is the best time for a Libertarian to be elected. This is the opportunity that you couldn't miss. Yeah. And I feel like you still missed it. Yeah, if you had a 10th Amendment candidate running, that would be it. Because you already you have both sides that have buy-in. After the Obama administration, you had the the conservative states being like, "Hey, we're leaving." Yep. And now with Trump, you're like, you have the other side, the leftists or the liberals, being like, "Hey, we're leaving." So you had somebody be like, "Hey, do what you want. I'm just going to be over here trying to minimize the federal government. Don't mind yeah. me." Everybody yeah. be like, hey, "I that's really fine. just don't. I just want to be out of your life." Yeah, I'm just going to leave you alone. Also, I'm going to abolish the ATF, which I'm like, Ew. "Don't worry about it." Yeah, but I watched I, I watched I, the Waco series. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Another the ATF. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I think bodes well for for Trump, in my opinion, is his harsh stance on China. Aside, yeah. if, if you look at his rhetoric, it's one of the reasons why I don't want to vote for him because he almost condoned concentration camps for the Uyghur Muslims, and I can't. That's a no no for me. Yeah. But his policy has been anything but that. Sanctions here, uh, military positioning in Guam and Australia and Thailand and a bunch of other 
uh, local places, Japan. Like his his stance on China has been I everything I could have asked for, and he knows it. Um, so that that's very encouraging to me. And Joe Jorgensen is Once she's like, I'll give the Hong Kong protesters asylum. Yep. That's not what Hong Kong protesters want. They don't want to go to America. No, they want their they big want, brother to stand up and yes, step in. Because a lot of them, a lot of them ha- probably have been offered that already under the table without anyone knowing. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a guy, uh, he actually just got arrested last week, but he was on Uncommon Knowledge uh, with Peter Robinson two times. And both the times he's like, are you going to leave? Nope. I, I'm one of the troublemakers here in Hong Kong. I'm going to stay. And I'm going to, I'm going to stay until I see her you know, come to glory or something like that. I'm like, man, he's one, he's got some intestinal fortitude <laughs> and two, um, they don't want to leave. They right. want, they want China to be more like us. Yeah. So what her policy is really s- soft and I feel like it's, it's out there just to appease both sides, but just minimal enough to where she can say, I didn't have any big executive action, which I think is on my sense of justice scale is not enough. It's almost immoral because I feel like there needs to be more, like China needs to feel uh, the weight of the American, not only the American military, but uh, like global freedom voices around the world. They need to, they need to feel that and, and change. And if it comes to military action, then I think it should because we literally have Nazis 2.0. And last time we had Nazis, it took military action to, to get rid of it. So my sense of justice on that side, Trump is excelling. And that, that makes me want to vote for him, even though I don't want to vote for him. Yeah. But I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm probably just going to vote for Kanye or write in Jesus and, and, and vote every, everywhere else that I know I've researched. So this is why local politics matters yeah. a lot. Yeah. But uh, vote locally, plug. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's where you know ninety percent of the impact of your life is happening. You know the the tiny the tiny percentage of substantial federal legislation that passes. Like, okay, everybody pay, everybody pays attention to that, but it, all the while your state and local taxes just went through the roof. Right. You're like, well, where's how this happening? Like, so. Yeah, and I think the last thing as far as. My theology's concern is that at the end of the day, your vote matters, but it also doesn't matter because, in my opinion, God raises up leaders of nations and yep. he takes them out. He'll raise them up, take them out, all in his timing, according to his will, everything he ordained and predestined, all of that to happen. So your your vote matters and then it doesn't because God's already decided who's going to win. Was that Romans 13? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think so. So, I mean. But I think thinking about these issues and taking the time to carefully consider what you're going to vote for is a good way to like be like, okay, Jesus, what actually matters to you? Like, what are what are you putting on my heart? And like, what should I be working towards? I agree. Yeah. I think it's a super important thought experiment for sure. Yeah. And I also think he predestined you to have that thought experiment. <laughs> 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 this is this is where I start to differ from all of my friends. Uh, this is where I stop having friends. No, man. <laughs> Sourdough <laughs> crust. Sourdough. Sourdough. Yeah, I'm the best kind of crust. <laughs> I'm gluten-free, too, so you won't get... You, oh, you, you might not be the best kind anymore. <laughs> you won't get bloated if you eat. This is, gonna, this is turning into a weird conversation. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, so that's what I I think that I I think we can all agree with Romans thirteen, right? That it, right. at the end of the day, yes, you should be doing your due diligence and being wise and researching candidates, the best leaders possible, and you should have the demands. You demand your your morals, the Christian morals, and nothing less. Um, and you shouldn't be afraid to speak out if someone or some something, no matter which side it's on, is falling short of those. And no matter if half the country doesn't agree with those moral principles, you should still be up front and out loud about it. Right. At the end of the day, uh, I think the Bible says the lot is cast into the lap, but the Lord makes its every decision. We talked about it on uh, our, our podcast two episodes ago. And that's that. actually that, that verse represents political decisions that couldn't be decided by votes or by opinions. They literally thought they were leaving it up to chance and they would toss dice on the table and whatever it landed on was the decision they made. But the decision they made was really God's decision. It wasn't chance at all. It was God making the decision. That's why I make a lot of decisions via coin flip. Coin flip. Coin yep. flip. Yep. The problem is having the discipline because if you can, you can flip a coin and be like, you know what, that's not what I want. I'm going to flip it again. You just keep keep flipping it. Fifty fifty till I get what I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So See, at at that point, you should just go with the reason why, why you keep you flipping the coins. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to make decisions. Sure. <laughs> odd thoughts with sydney yeah we'll have you back on the show for sure oh yay but uh thank you for thank you for you know coming on the show expressing your thoughts yeah um definitely would love to have you on again very interesting good talk yeah have a good day thanks for listening